The following is a sponsored program on 100.7 FM, WHIN 1010 AM. The views, information, or opinions expressed during this program are solely those of the individuals or participants involved and do not necessarily represent those of Braden Madison Broadcasting or its employees. 100.7 FM, WHIN 1010 AM presents Sumner County Spotlight, a weekly public affairs program each Sunday morning at 10 AM. Sumner County Spotlight is brought to you exclusively by FNM Bank, 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville. FNM Bank offers personal banking, business banking, and mortgage loans too. FNM Bank is one of the top independent banks in Tennessee. Member FDIC, equal housing lender, MMLS number 518158. Here's your host for Sumner County Spotlight. Jeff Shannon. Well, good morning. This is Jeff Shannon, and this is Sumner County Spotlight, of course, sponsored by our friends at FM Bank at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard, right here in Hendersonville, and at myfmbank.com. Today we have a special guest uh, this morning, and uh, we want to welcome the president of Vol State, Volunteer State Community College, and that would be Dr. Jerry Faulkner. And, uh, you know, Jerry's been around a while, and, uh, you know, he's been uh, the president over there for many years. And, you know, Volunteer State Community College is the fifth largest, highest education institution in Middle Tennessee with a record high enrollment of over 9,000 students. Vol State has more than 100 areas of study, including mechatronics, supply chain management, cyber defense, and health sciences. So they have a pretty broad program there. And uh, I want to welcome Dr. Faulkner in. Hey, how are you doing this morning? I'm good, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure to be here. Absolutely. And you know, I think let's, let's just start off. Let everybody know who you are. Okay. Well, I I grew up in East Tennessee, um, and um, uh, there's a book by Sharon McCrum called The Song Catcher. And in that book, she refers to a cosmic possum. And so I am a cosmic possum. Okay. I, I, <laughs> I am I am the I am the the offspring of the first generation to move off the hills and out of the hollers. <laughs> so East Tennessee. East Tennessee, yeah. So I grew up knowing the old ways and the old songs. I know how to butcher a hog and how to pick poke salad. <laughs> but I don't live in that world anymore. Yeah. I live in, in a more modern world. So I'm a cosmic possum from, from East Tennessee and um, grew up there and, and uh, lived in East Tennessee up until moving to Chattanooga uh, in 1981, uh, and then moving here to Middle Tennessee to become president of Vol State in 2012. So do you had held other uh, positions at uh, colleges? Yes. Uh, my first college position, I was a uh, faculty member at a small church-affiliated college, uh, and then in 1993, I moved to Chattanooga State uh, as a faculty member and was there about 14 years uh, eventually becoming department chair for the biology department. Uh, moved up the road about 20 miles to Cleveland State as the academic vice president at Cleveland State Community College. Uh, and then after about four years there, again, May of 2012, came here to Middle Tennessee and to Vol State Community College. College-wise, where, where did you go? Well, my, my bachelor's degree is from that same small church-affiliated college, Tennessee Temple University in Chattanooga, um, and then went on from there to get a master's and a doctorate from UT Knoxville. Above all that, you you were a dropout. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a story that I like to share, particularly with our returning adult students. Uh, I started at the University of Tennessee straight out of high school um, and did pretty good my first year. Uh, but after that, I developed some bad habits. 
Uh, no, it wasn't drinking and carousing. It was the bad habit of not going to class. <laughs> I, I had not yet learned that there was a direct correlation between going to class and getting good grades. It's not all partying. It is yeah. not. <laughs> of course, I was I was a commuter student, so it wasn't like I was, again, living in the frat house or yeah. something like that. But uh, So my last quarter, we were on the quarter system then, my last quarter at UT Knoxville, uh, I had a withdrawal, I had an incomplete, and I had two Fs. So I was on academic probation, I was this close to them asking me to leave, and so I left voluntarily and uh, was out of college for 10 years, worked a variety of different jobs, and came to the realization that all I was getting out of life was a paycheck and an ulcer. And the way to remedy that was to go back and, and uh, finish my college education so how does one get into administration part of uh, working with an institution? Yeah, well, um, it, it, there are a variety of different pathways uh, uh, to the presidency, to the administration. Again, you know, my pathway started out as faculty, um, and I think you'll probably find that a majority of college presidents uh, start as faculty members and work their way up through the administration uh, but uh, there are other pathways through student services, through the business side. Um, a lot of universities now are reaching out to the business sector uh, to hire presidents uh, because there's much more of an emphasis on running higher education more like a business. Well, you know, I think of any large kind of uh, institution or organization, it, even in politics, we always said that, well, you know, we've got to have somebody that runs this thing like a business because it really is if yeah. you think about it yeah well in the state of tennessee we've gone through many years of declining state support when i first started with the community college system 60 percent of our resources came from state appropriations and now less than 40 percent of our resources come from state appropriations and so uh, we have to be very resourceful that's one of our core values at ball state is we are resourceful we use the resources that we have efficiently and effectively um, and that that requires a business approach well, it, it definitely does and you know with everything that you've you've got going on you still find time and I see you you and your wife you you're walking you're doing the greenway you're biking and things like that so is that one of your passions that kind of relieves a lot of that stress from day-to-day -day operations oh absolutely I have to get my nature fixed from time to time uh, you know, as I said, I grew up in East Tennessee, and I grew up playing in the in the the fields and forest of my grandfather's farm. We lived next door to him, and so uh, very much an outdoor person. And of course, my my graduate degrees are in botany and ecology, uh, so I very much enjoy being out of doors. Uh, and it is uh, an opportunity to to uh, change the focus of your attention for a little while uh, and just enjoy being outside. Well, sure. And I know when you're out walk, doing your walks and stuff right now, everything's, I call them skeleton trees and bushes. There's <laughs> really nothing there to look at anymore. So we can't yeah. wait till everything starts blossoming again. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know we've seen you post some things, but things you've seen along the way. So that's, that's interesting. Sure. Yeah. Well, one of the things I miss about being in administration is being in the classroom and teaching. So posting those little tidbits about what I see on my nature walks kind of fulfills my desire to teach. Sure. Yeah. Well, I guess you could walk in any of those classes if you wanted to. I'm taking over here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I have, during my administrative career, tried to teach uh, occasionally. 
Um, I tried to teach a, a evening biology lab class, uh, but there's so many demands on my schedule, and I was having to hunt down substitutes. Uh, and I, it's just not fair to the students uh, mm-hmm. to not have a continuous presence from the same teacher. So sure. uh, I do miss it, but I do realize that in my current role, it would be tough for me to give the students what they're really expecting. Yeah, well, you know, I think Vol State has really uh, made a name for itself, and not just here in, in Sumner County. you you got folks coming in from all over, I would imagine. Sure. Well, we serve 11 counties across north middle Tennessee here, uh, all all the way from Springfield in Robertson County to Birdstown in Pickett County. Uh, we're kind of a long, narrow service area here. Uh, and we have the locations in Springfield. We have a location in Cookville, uh, location in Livingston, which is in Overton County. And hopefully soon we'll have a location in Wilson County as well. Oh, awesome. Uh, you know, I was just sitting here thinking while you were talking. There's got to be some history of Allstate. How, how did it come about? What, what's a little bit of the history of Sure. That? Well, uh, we are celebrating this year our 50th anniversary Congratulations. Uh, of the yeah. college. Um, in 1969, following uh, um, solicitation by members of the community and advocacy by members of the community, uh, June of 1969, the Higher Education Commission approved the location of a community college in Sumner County. Um, and uh, uh, that that uh, I actually have a copy of the letter that was sent to I.C. McMahon, who was the county judge at the time, the head of county government, authorizing that. They broke ground at the current Gallatin location in November of 1970. And then the first students started in the winter quarter of 1971. Of course, that first quarter, the campus was not completed, and so the students actually met in downtown Gallatin. Mm -hmm. The college offices were in the Cordell Hull building. The library was in the basement of the Cordell Hull building. Pretty much every church on Main Street Gallatin held classes, and they had physical education at the National Guard Armory. (laughs) Talking about spread out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I would imagine when the, the, the college was built out there, there wasn't a whole lot around in that, that vicinity. It's probably why they picked that location, because you probably had lots of land to select from. Oh, yeah. We've got some old aerial photographs uh, that date back to probably the early 70s. And uh, there were the four original buildings of the college, and there was a drive-in theater, uh, kind of where the Subaru dealership is mm-hmm. now. And that was pretty much that all that was on Gallatin on the on this side of the on this side of the creek. Wow! Yeah, and and you know Gallatin has such a history. I mean, it, I think a lot of people associate history with old buildings. Mm-hmm. Well, they definitely have their share of the historic buildings and in the square and all of that. Where Hendersonville is more contemporary, kind of a newer. Even though we do have a a lot of history right here in Hendersonville as well. But you know, I think what's built up around Vol State has been pretty amazing. Sure. Well, it, you know, it was a factor of the fact that, that there was available land there and it's relatively flat. Uh, and so it was kind of a natural for development to happen there. Uh, but we do feel like the the attraction of people coming to Volunteer State helped to fuel that growth uh, through the years. Uh, we've seen and continue to see growth happening around the college. Yeah. Well, and I think you've over the years, you probably had added different courses and 
uh, things have advanced that way. But I mean, you have to with technology and uh, with the nursing program. And we're going to talk in the next segment about some of the the offerings that you have there that I think uh, should be very appealing to folks, especially getting into the nursing uh, industry. I, I got to ask you, what is Mechatronics? <laughs> uh, it's a relatively new program here on our Gallatin campus. Um, uh, the way we define Mechatronics is if you make it, move it, manage it, or store it uh, using automated controls, uh, then you need mechatronic skills. You need sure. people with mechatronic skills. And so it's often associated with advanced manufacturing where you have robots that are putting together cars and and uh, ranges and, and uh, refrigerators and those sorts of things. Uh, but you think about the gap which is located behind us. Uh, they have miles and miles of um, conveyor belts powered by electric motors. Um, they have sensors along the way. Uh, they have actuators, hydraulic and pneumatic actuators that move packages off and on. And so, in fact, we've had some of our mechatronic students that have interned with the Gap uh, and have gone on to get jobs with them. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, you know, the future, of course, has got to be computers and robotics and uh, all of this, the, the new stuff that's coming out. And there's there's probably things that we don't even know anything about that's being developed right now. And I guess as it does, we'll be teaching it. Oh, sure. Um, and as more and more things are developed and more and more things are connected to the Internet, uh, that emphasizes the importance of another of our programs in our computer information technology, and that's cybersecurity. Oh yes, because big time. Uh, big now your you know now your refrigerator can be a threshold for hackers to get into your home system. Yeah, you could talk to the refrigerators and get a computer up on your in front of them. Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, order milk. Okay. <laughs> Alexa for your refrigerator. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, amazing. Well, and, and I think it's impressive that as a community college level, we, you have to kind of offer some of these things. And as people, because I guess it is more of a stair step going into the full-time college or whatever you would call that, but to, yeah. to get their bachelor's and master's and move on from there. Yeah. Well, uh, about half of our students, when they come to us, their declared purpose is to do the first two years toward a four-year bachelor's degree to move on. Uh, and our Tennessee Transfer Pathways really facilitate that for those students in that if they follow that pathway, they're guaranteed that all of those courses were transferred to other public nice. higher education institutions in the state of Tennessee. But the other half of our students are on board pursuing a certificate or applied science degree like mechatronics, like supply chain management, uh, like one of our our 14 health science programs that lead directly to a career, uh, a career that will allow them to earn sufficiently to support themselves and their family. Now, what do you see with the future of Vol State Community College as we move forward? Well, I, I think our future is going to look a lot like our past in that we want to continue to be responsive to the needs of the 11 counties that we serve here in North Middle Tennessee. Uh, as new industries move into the area, we'll certainly be on the forefront of providing uh, uh, workforce development and job training. 
much of that happens on what we call the credit side of the house, the college credit side of the house. But we also have a whole division for workforce development. And this past year, that division provided over 310,000 hours of workforce development training. Um, We have a center of emphasis for health careers that provides the continuing education and the refresher training for people in a whole variety of of health care fields. And then, of course, we'll continue to offer those folks that are planning to transfer those those general education opportunities that put them off to a great start at any four-year university. Well, and it's excellent. And I was telling you earlier, my son has already stated he's going to Ball State. So, <laughs> and, and science is his thing. I mean, okay. the guy is amazing when it comes to rattling things off. He goes, no, that uh, structure is made up of this, that, and the other. <laughs> okay, well, I'm glad you're learning something. <laughs> good, good. Well, we'll certainly, certainly welcome him there. Uh, fall of 2019, we just completed a major renovation of our wharf building, which houses the majority of our science labs. Uh, and so we have state-of-the-art equipment and the opportunity to teach students at, at a, a great level. Well, it's it, definitely the future is bright for sure. So we're going to take this uh, break right now. But, the, you know, there's an ongoing debate about the cost-benefit ratio of higher education. Sure. We're going to be talking about uh, how college education payoff when you end up spending a tremendous amount of money to require a degree. So we're going to talk a little bit about the cost of going to college when we return right after this word. FNM Bank presents Sumner County Spotlights. Since 1906, FNM Bank has been serving Middle Tennessee with first-class products and services. Visit them today at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville or myfmbag.com. All right. Welcome back to Summer County Spotlight. This is Jeff Shannon, and we're uh, speaking with Dr. Jerry Faulkner, president of Vol State, Volunteer State Community College. Is there, you say it either way, right? Yeah, Volunteer State Community College is the official long title, but most people simply know us as Vol State. Yeah. Uh, but I have been introduced as the president of Volunteer State Bank. So. <laughs> <laughs> little different. A little different, yeah. Speaking of banks, uh, you know, we left the last break and we were talking about, the, you know, I think a lot of folks are really concerned about the cost of college or community college uh, might be a better route for them. But with scholarships and all of the things that are available to people, uh, maybe you can enlighten us a little bit about that. Sure. Well, it makes a lot of economic sense to start out at community college. We're we're much less expensive than the four-year universities, even the public four-year universities here in Tennessee. Uh, we, we run somewhere close to $2,000 a semester for full-time. Uh, and for the universities, you could be facing four to $7,000 per semester. Plus, we have the advantage of the Tennessee Promise and Tennessee Reconnect. Um, Tennessee Promise is the program that's available for graduating high school seniors uh, as they finish high school in May or June. If they come direct to a community college like Vol State that following fall, it's tuition free. Nice. Um, And so uh, there's still some costs, some fees, some books, things like that, but a much more cost effective uh, opportunity for those uh, folks that have been out of school for a while if they're uh, what we we categorize as an independent student they're over 24 or they're married with dependent children uh, independent student uh, you can return to vol state as well uh, and you can be part-time or you can be full-time but there again there's an opportunity if you don't already have a college degree to get an associate's degree again tuition free 
So would they just contact the admissions office to get information? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Admissions office. And that will put them on the path to the connection with our financial aid office so that they file the appropriate paperwork. Uh, of course, for the Tennessee Promise students, their pathway actually starts while they're still seniors in high school. Uh, they have actually already uh, gone to the student assistance, um, uh, students academic assistance uh, website and registered for the Tennessee Promise. And then they'll be filing their FAFSA, the uh, free application for federal student aid. Uh, because of the pandemic and everything that's going on, that FAFSA deadline for those Tennessee Promise students has been extended to March 1st. Okay. Good. I was going to ask that. Yeah. 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 So they have until March to, to get in there. So they need to go to the, in the high school, in the guidance office, and tell them what they want to do, and then they can guide them from there. They can get them on the way. Uh, it does require tax information from their parents. And so, again, if they need help, they can contact our financial aid office uh, on the college. And right. so that's the next step in, in the requirements. There are some requirements beyond just showing up. Uh, after they do the FAFSA, the next requirement is going to be that they participate um, in a, a team meeting where they're paired with a mentor. Um, an adult that uh, is willing to, to help them navigate the waters to get get uh, applied and registered to college. Mm. And I think uh, some of the students that, I, that I've heard, because uh, I have one that just went into the Army, so she graduated and did not uh, apply for the Tennessee Promise in time. And we, of course, kept on her, you know, <laughs> but yeah. you know how kids are they say i'll get to it but uh but anyway she ended up going in the army now let's say if if a person came out let's say of the army would they then more fall into the tennessee reconnect a program or they couldn't do the tennessee promise you have to still be in high school for that correct right right yeah you have to be an immediate recent graduate of high school for the tennessee promise but the tennessee reconnect would certainly be a pathway for someone coming out of the armed services uh, of course, they are likely eligible for veterans benefits, That's and right. we yeah. have an office on our campus dedicated okay. to helping them uh, acquire and keep those veterans benefits, um, as well as other other uh, financial aid opportunities like the federal Pell Grant. Talking about the Tennessee Reconnect, and I think a, if a lot of folks have been sitting around saying, you know, I think I'm going to go back. You know, I, I just want to advance, and with the change of the employment environment because of all the situation this past year. Are you finding more people taking that path and wanting to get back into school? Well, it it hasn't happened the way it usually does when we have a recession or an economic downturn. Uh, I call it the dirty little secret of community college. When, When the economy goes down, our enrollment typically goes up. Because you have displaced workers, uh, you have folks that realize their career is not a stable career, or maybe they're just looking to acquire new skills to make themselves more valuable to Mm -hmm. their current employer. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we have not yet seen that effect from this current downturn associated with with the pandemic. We don't really know what to do these days. I mean, this has been like a whole new road we have to go down because we've never experienced this before. Have you noticed because of all of the, I guess, restrictions and the school closings, have you gone into any kind of hybrid situation or you're going virtual? Sure. Well, when when the pandemic, uh, when we had the first case of COVID-19 in Tennessee, that was in March and uh, we were on spring break. And we extended spring break for the students by one week and called our faculty and staff back to campus to prepare to go fully online. 
uh, because we felt like we just could not bring students back to campus until we knew more about the communicability of this disease and how to how to safeguard. So within about one week, within one week, we went from having about 30% of our courses available online to 100% wow. of our courses available yeah. online. Uh, and then for this fall, we did have some return to campus. Uh, about 7 8% of our students had some on-ground class. Uh, many of those, it was just one day a week for a science lab or a clinical associated with a health science program. Mm-hmm. And we're continuing that pattern through this spring. Uh, more than 90% of our courses are using remote learning, either asynchronous, purely online, or some sort of virtual uh, combined class. And I was just looking at the uh, Sumner County Schools because we because we, you know, we put the word out and mm-hmm. you know let parents know what's going on with it. But Dell Phillips is I mean he's on top of this and he's yeah. really been uh, analyzing a, a lot of the numbers as far as what if they're rising or lowering and things like that. We had Scott Langford here on our program a couple of weeks ago and. It, it's pretty amazing the the amount of work that goes into coming up with those numbers and, and deciding for all of the Sumner County schools, okay, we're going to go all virtual or now we're going to go back to a hybrid. I mean, I can imagine it's got to be, for you, it's got to be daunting. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's it's a, a tough decision for Dr. Phillips. He and I know each other and work together, and uh, he's got far more students to deal with than I do, uh, and he has to get them on and off buses and get them to and from school and feed them lunch and all mm-hmm. of those sorts mm-hmm. of things. So much more difficult decision for him. Uh, but but we have uh, decided we're following all of the CDC guidelines and requirements. And in fact, in some cases, we're a little more stringent than what the CDC uh, requires. Anybody coming to campus has to complete in advance an online screening form. When they get to campus, uh, they have to have to show that they have completed that screening form. Um, so far, knock on wood. Um, as far as we can determine, we have had no student-to-student transmission on our campus. Good. Well, and one of the things that I always said, uh, or thought of anyway, with this thing, is says, okay, well, you put everybody back in the school. What happens if, you know, it starts in a, in a classroom and nobody knows you have it, and then the next class comes in, and then here it goes. It, it's crazy how this, yeah. this thing spreads as it does. It's, it's tough. And so we have put in place that, that screening tool and that check-in. Part of that is to help us trace. Mm-hmm. If, if we do have a student that, that does contract COVID-19, uh, that helps us know who they have been in contact with. And we can do that tracing and let folks know, hey, you need to quarantine for 14 days or until you get a negative test mm-hmm. uh, for COVID-19. And our, our physical plant folks have done a remarkable job of of uh, creating and implementing advanced cleaning techniques uh, using this uh, this spray. I won't give their brand name, uh, but using this spray that provides actually a protective coating sure. uh, that you mm-hmm. can put on upholstery and all kinds of surfaces without damaging it. So again, we've, we've been fortunate. We've been blessed. And I, I think the, the extra steps that we have to take now, protecting ourselves, you remember when it first started, it was all about touching your face. That was you heard that every don't touch yeah, your face yeah. rub your eyes okay but now you look back on it you're you're freaking out that i did that i used to touch everything and then you know <laughs> rub my eyes and bite my t- uh, fingernails or whatever and it's like now i think people are a lot more aware 
of things. And every time you get in the car, you're spraying down, you're wiping off. And we go to a restaurant, you get the, the wipes, the Lysol things, and you're wiping off around you and the menus. And so it's a new, I guess, a norm. And hopefully it has worked. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. and it's helped to knock down the flu virus. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, that's that's what I'm hearing is that the normal flu is way down just because of these precautions that we're taking against against COVID-19. Um, and, you know, since since the CDC came out with the mask recommendation, we've been mandatory mask on our campus uh, and still continue that now. And and we'll probably continue it maybe even into the fall. Sure. Well, the new administration, I guess, is proposing 100 days of uh, total masking so i mean it can't hurt i mean there's nothing wrong with it you know you just get out of the car you go in just put it on i mean it's not that big a deal it's amazing how many people fight that but yeah yeah (laughs) little inconvenient your your glasses fog up but that's about the worst of it it's so annoying i know yeah hey listen speaking of covid19 you are hosting the vaccine thing for the health department is that correct yes yeah yes the the uh, sumner county health department is doing the vaccinations at a drive-through center on our campus uh we're just really the host they're providing all of the staff and all the logistics they're the ones handling all the appointments through their sumnertn.org website Uh, but we're very pleased to be able to provide that community service since we have lots of parking lots and not not too many cars on campus (laughs) these days because we we drove by there and i saw that and it was like okay well i'm getting ready to be next on the list so i guess that's where we'll be going uh to get that but you know what's amazing and we've been promoting this you've heard a lot of the scams that are going on with these people Mm -hmm. you know trying to charge the uh, older people to go on the list or even to get the vaccine it's free folks it's totally free you don't pay for it absolutely yeah it's sad that uh, that folks will take advantage of that but uh, every, every situation there's somebody looking for a way to illicitly make a profit off of mm-hmm. it well they're going to go down <laughs> sure <laughs> as you get sunny weatherford on him he's uh, he's got to track them that's for sure yeah hey so tell me um the 50th anniversary i i saw this and we had talked about it here and congratulated you on air uh, so we it's it's a great feat but over 50 years what have you seen has been the biggest improvement for vol state well during those 50 years we've added a lot of facilities i was just reviewing kind of a catalog of the different buildings that we have brought online uh, but i think for all of education probably the most significant Uh, change has been the incorporation of technology Uh, we again in a routine semester would have 30 percent or more of our classes available asynchronously online to students Mm -hmm. and then even within the campus um, we have multiple computer labs Um, each classroom many of our classrooms are equipped with technology in the classroom that allows them to access the internet to project images to protect uh, project movies so the incorporation of technology into the teaching progress process is not just for Vol State, but for higher education in general. Yeah. Well, even your recording, your your broadcasting segment, uh, very impressive. Uh, you know, we you gave us a tour here a, a while back, and we went through there, and it's like, really? This, yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah our, our radio station there, not to plug them, but yeah, the, no, they, we're, we're uh, 40 years old, a little past 40 years old on the radio station, uh, was started not only as a community service, but also to provide a training opportunity to our students. And we started up this past fall a new concentration within our entertainment media program uh, on digital radio. 
Uh, so we're very excited about that. Yes. Uh, I give a big shout out to Stanley Carr. Uh, works part-time here at the radio station, uh, is a, a Vol State uh, graduate. I think he works over there on the, uh, on the station now. Yes, <laughs> so, yeah. What yeah. are the call letters on that? WVCP. That's right. Well, yeah. of course. Vol, Vol, w, Vol College Pioneers is what VCP stands for, I understand. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Listen, in our closing uh, segment, is there anything that you want to cover, you want to get the word out? You know, we talked a little earlier about the nursing program. Uh, we started that up a little over a year ago. Our first group graduated from that this summer, uh, this past summer. Um, and uh, I'm very pleased to report that of that first group, 100% of them passed the nursing exam on the first attempt. Wow. And, and that's just really almost unheard of. Uh, this coming fall, we'll be starting up a medical assisting program uh, for medical professionals that would work perhaps in a doctor's office or a clinic, uh, provide some medical services, but also be involved in the business and insurance end of the practice. Uh, so we're excited about that coming on this fall. And I also want to give a big shout out. You guys are going to be one of our sponsors. We have a program uh, coming up next month. Uh, it's Black History Month. So all month we're going to be celebrating uh, some of the great accomplishments of some of the uh, black Americans in, in history. And these vignettes are going to be on there. And Vol State has uh, going to be one of our uh, sponsors on that. And we, we definitely appreciate that because it's definitely something that needs to be uh, be put out there for sure. Sure. Yeah. All right. Well, yes. Wow. Time has flown by. Uh, we appreciate you coming in and spending your time. I know you got to run and uh, get another appointment. So thanks so much for coming in here. Thank you for having me. I always appreciate the opportunity to talk about Vol State. Well, we appreciate you. So that's going to wrap it up for this edition. Uh, we'll be right back with more right after these words. FNM Bank presents Sumner County Spotlights. Since 1906, FNM Bank has been serving Middle Tennessee with first-class products and services. Visit them today at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville or myfmbank.com. And welcome back to Summer County Spotlight. This is Jeff Shannon. Uh, we're going to continue our conversations here. And uh, we have a, a kind of a special guy on the phone right now is uh, Mr. Scott Ramsey. He's a graduate of Old Dominion University where he attended on a golf scholarship. Now, Scott has uh, over 30 years of experience in the sport marketing industry. So he's going to tell us a little bit about his involvement with the Nashville Sports Council. So welcome in, Scott. Let's uh, well, just start off. Let's let everybody know who you are, a little bit of background, uh, where you live. Well, we uh, we grew up, uh, my wife and I grew up in uh, central Indiana, but uh, fortunate enough to move down to the Nashville area in 1995. And uh, we settled in Hendersonville and uh, have uh, have lived there ever since. And uh, certainly enjoy the, the community, our, our friends, uh, church, uh, we're members of Bluegrass Country Club, and and uh, made a lot of a lot of friends. It's been home. It's uh, we've uh, raised our family there. Got four kids, and all of them kind of work through the Harrisonville High School system. And uh, we've been uh, very blessed to uh, uh, to live there, and uh, we've we've really enjoyed it over the past uh, twenty five plus years now. How did you venture into the sports industry? Well, uh, you know, in the early eighties, late seventies, early eighties. Through high school and college, it uh, uh, working in in the business of sports was um, you know something that you just kind of fell into, and it wasn't really as organized as it is now. Where there's a lot of sports management, sports marketing programs in colleges to kind of work through a curriculum. Uh, it's just uh, it was a passion of mine. Um, obviously, played sports growing up. Uh, was a fan. Was a 
uh, <laughs> was, was kind of a stat nut and uh, certainly played golf in college, but uh, stayed in touch. And it was just kind of a, a path that I, I wanted career-wise and uh, was able to kind of uh, work through a few different uh, avenues before uh, cities really started becoming very aggressive on recruiting events to your city for both economic impact, but then also uh, if you think about the the 80s and early 90s, cities were investing in venues, uh, stadiums, arenas, and mm-hmm. ballparks. Um, and then the charge, really, if the city owned it, was how can we best utilize it to, to benefit the community? So entities like the National Sports Council were starting to pop up in cities that competed for major sporting events to bring to your city and, and host those. And um, Nashville got in that game in 1992, uh, and then certainly in 95, uh, when they started building the Nashville Arena, which is now Bridgestone Arena, uh, started looking to form the Sports Council and get, get more aggressive. And I had a friend that initially started it, Jenny Hannon, and uh, they were getting ready to uh, host uh, the first major event in there in 1997, which was the USC Championships, ironically, and uh, been on the NHL or NBA team and do all those kind of things. And we moved down on, on kind of a flyer. Uh, to join the organization, hoping they would turn it into a long-term venture, and uh, they just haven't kicked me out yet. <laughs> As the, um, I guess, president and CEO of the Nashville Sports Council, you've really been responsible for bringing a lot of great events here to mu- Music City. Uh, what are some of those? Well, again, uh, you know, our focus is really kind of coordinating the city's effort to go out and bid on major sporting events. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think uh, if we look back uh, historically, uh, the, those happen uh, periodically uh, in the early years. And that was really because um, companies like the SEC or the NCAA or AAU or U.S. Uh, Olympic Committee or uh, those kind of uh, organizations really only bid out those events in a four- or five-year cycle. Um, so it was periodic, and uh, we, we were able to host some NCAA basketball tournaments, uh, the SEC tournament, men's and women's. Uh, we had U.S. figure skating national championships in 97. We had uh, the Olympic trials for uh, and, and national championships uh, of gymnastics in, in 04. Um, and then we're able to start the uh, country music marathon, which is now turned into the rock and roll marathon in April. Uh, and then we started the music city bowl. Um, once we built the stadium and uh, had an opportunity to, to get uh, in postseason college football game. And uh, we've had uh, 23 years of that. And, um, you know, so we're able to kind of build in uh, major sporting events, um, that really have kind of fit in with our, our city. Uh, we most recently hosted the NHL All-Star Game. Uh, obviously, the NFL Draft last year. Uh, we just secured the SEC Basketball Tournament all the way through 2035. Uh, we're on our 22nd year of the marathon, which is the second largest full and half marathon down the country. So we're continuing to kind of add events as we, we look forward and uh, hopefully uh, continue to, to build on that success for the city. So one of the big events coming in 2021 that, that I'm hearing about is the Music City Grand Prix. That has got to be a huge undertaking uh, to get that thing formed. How, how did all that come about? Yeah, you know, every, every event's a little different. Um, from the Grand Prix standpoint specifically, uh, there, there were a group of folks that uh, that was really uh, involved in, in motorsports uh, that were based here in Nashville that really wanted to, to build a an IndyCar street race, if you will, uh, for Nashville. Uh, it really took four or five years to kind of get everybody comfortable with how to do that. Obviously, that's closing a lot of roads. It's building a lot of safety barriers. Uh, it's figuring out a way logistically and then financially to, to underwrite all that. So um, it took a while, uh, but uh, uh, there's a lot of folks that uh, uh, Phil Pacey and, 
um, uh, several others that um, that were able to kind of pull it off and uh, finally get everybody in sync on how the event structurally could happen um, and uh, raise the necessary capital to do it. And uh, I think it's going to be just a great success for us. Uh, it'll happen in early August, the inaugural race um, this year. Uh, Sports Council's um, partnering with them to kind of help from the behind-the-scenes aspects, from operations to volunteers to uh, just general logistics. And uh, it'll be uh, it'll certainly be an exciting uh, time for Nashville to have a new event, uh, especially as dynamic as that will be. Uh, in downtown Nashville. Well, the one question I have to ask is, um, and I don't know if he's in that the circuit or what, but Joseph Newgarden, of course, is a Hendersonville guy, and uh, so is he going to be uh, involved in this event? Sure is. Uh, Great. Him and uh, Roger Pinsky were kind of the, the featured speakers there when we announced the event, and uh, Joseph's kind of the ambassador, not only for his hometown, but uh, obviously for IndyCar as well. And uh, I think the IndyCar sanction uh, was certainly a critical piece of that, and uh, to have somebody from Nashville or Hendersonville, uh, as you mentioned, um, is uh, is really going to add some uh, great uh, opportunities and and uh, um, you know media coverage uh, for our city. Economically, it's got to be a great impact. What are you projecting as far as uh, the impact for the area here? You know, I really haven't seen that. Um, we typically do a, uh, those kind of surveys and then announce after the event, so we kind of have some some actual data to. Mm-hmm. Uh, to release, but uh, I certainly think it'll be a tremendous impact. Uh, I think you're going to see international travel. Mm-hmm. It's certainly an international race field. Uh, I certainly think the interest regionally, uh, people traveling in, I think one thing we've seen with sports travel specifically over the years, it's really changed to, to people wanting to be able to get here quickly and have flexibility in the number of days they stay. Uh, and Nashville certainly geographically fit well into that. We've seen that successfully with the bowl, with the SEC basketball, with our marathon, some of our annual events uh, that we've done. So I certainly think the Grand Prix will benefit from that as well, and it'll be significant. Um, significant media coverage internationally as well as nationally, and then certainly uh, you know, just people here uh, from a tourism standpoint spending money in hotels and restaurants. Hopefully... Uh, we'll be on the backside of this pandemic to where mm-hmm. we can really maximize it this year. But sure. uh, long term, it certainly will be a great event for us. Well, and it, it, you led me right into the next question. I'm how the COVID-19 situation kind of has uh, affected sports in general. I mean, we, we've seen what it's done with that. And with some of the events going forward, we would hope that uh, all of this does get past us. But I'm sure you have contingency plans uh, in place uh, just in case. Well, it's certainly been a trying year for uh, really anyone in the event business, whether it's sports, music, entertainment, um, and uh, just the uncertainty of, of how to market, how to sell, um, how to operate uh, the events uh, have, have created, um, you know, a big challenge. And, uh, you know, I think we were certainly very disappointed when we uh, had to cancel the Music City Bowl this year. We had a new title sponsor in Trains Perfect. We had you know, new agreements with the SEC and the Big Ten. And, um, you know, we got within 72 hours. And, and unfortunately, Missouri had a number of COVID cases that uh, just uh, didn't allow them to travel and play mm-hmm. when they canceled the game. So, you know, I, I think the ability to stay very flexible, to stay very reactive to the, the market conditions, uh, but also we're, we're, we're full steam ahead as far as planning for events. Uh, we're ready for the SEC basketball tournament in March and the marathon in April. Uh, we have the NCAA Golf Regionals at the Golf Club of Tennessee in May. Uh, right now we have, obviously, as you mentioned, the Grand Prix in August and, and hopefully the SEC Football Media Days in July. Now, 
you know, every one of those events could come off great, could come off in a, in a hybrid situation. Uh, but we've got to be ready to be flexible to kind of meet the, the demands and the requirements of both the local uh, protocols and also uh, the event protocols that are going to be coming with uh, with the respective events. Sure. You know, back in 2016, I guess you guys partnered with the Predators and uh, probably a, a great partnership right there. But, you know, with the start of the new season, we, we've kind of seen some, some good activity coming from the guys. And, uh, you know... It, it's got to bring people here. They got to want to see them. And of course, with the limitations, that kind of curbs that a little bit, but heck, if they take it all the way to the Stanley cup, uh, once more, uh, hopefully they'll, they'll do that. But, uh, that's going to be a great impact here for the city of Nashville. Yeah. The predators have been a great corporate community partner. And, um, you know, I, I think, uh, they've, they've really done a tremendous job, um, engaging in, in various community aspects, certainly playing as many games as they play um, in a time of year when um, when tourism is, is typically lower in the winter um, has been uh, has been a tremendous asset for our city. Uh, certainly, the NHL All Star Game, uh, as you mentioned in, in '16, was uh, was a really um, a dynamic event. It, it changed the, the whole scope of the All Star Game, mm-hmm. uh, what it looks like for the weekend. Uh, certainly, we had. Uh, we engage the outside. We engage a, a lot of things music-wise that uh, other cities really uh, hadn't thought of. And uh, I think that's kind of been uh, really the uh, reputation that we developed as, as a host city, uh, that we can do some things in Nashville that are unique. Uh, we've got a downtown campus that really supports major events. We saw that from the NFL draft where you know we had uh, all the NFL experience on the uh, east side of the, the river and um, the entertainment side on the west side of the river in downtown. So, you know, I, I think our ability to um, be very coordinated as a city um, and uh, host events and, and, and exceed expectations uh, certainly was on uh, uh, was on display for the NHL All-Star Game. Yes, and so are you primarily, I mean, you focus in, in the Nashville area, but are, are you doing most of Middle Tennessee with uh, you know bringing events? Uh, how are you involved in, in that aspect of it? Well, I, I think the great thing about Nashville is uh, it's a region, yes. and uh, I certainly think um, the regional impact of, of the Titans and Predators and the Sounds and now the new MLS team and um, our, our collegiate events uh, certainly uh, go beyond the walls of Davidson County. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's uh, been supported regionally. Um, Sports Council is a membership organization. We've got members from all over the region, and uh, we appreciate them individually, not only volunteering and being a part of the events, uh, but uh, also uh, being a member and, and uh, you know, participating in some of the member events that we've had. So, you know, I, I think uh, from from the national sports scene, it's certainly a regional sports scene, and and uh, I, I know Sumner County as well as the other surrounding counties have been uh, very supportive, and um, we, we wouldn't have been successful and haven't been successful at this point without that support. Give us an update on the soccer league coming in. I I've, was following it for a while, and then it, it kind of went away, and I know they had some some obstacles to, to confront, but where are we at with the, the soccer? Well, they're moving forward with construction of the stadium at the old fairground site uh and that's full steam ahead um certainly with covid and yeah. delays yeah. and everything in the world uh i'm not sure uh how much of a delay but i think we're looking at uh, the mls team playing um in nissan stadium at least one or two more years mm-hmm. before the stadium's going to be ready for them 
but I think John Ingram uh, stepping up as our as our owner has really uh, solidified the, the the opportunity for great success with uh, with the soccer team. Sure. And uh, this year, as a you know as an inaugural season, making the playoffs was uh, something that's very rare in any sport. Mm-hmm. And um, I think he's put together a really class A organization and. Um, I think it's going to have great success, especially once we get the new stadium open and uh, they'll have a a facility that will really be outstanding and and unique. We're coming up to a break right here, so stand by, everybody. We'll be right back and talking more with Scott Ramsey. FNM Bank presents Sumner County Spotlights. Since 1906, FNM Bank has been serving Middle Tennessee with first-class products and services. Visit them today at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville or myfmbank.com. Okay, and welcome back to Sumner County Spotlight. This is Jeff Shannon, and we've been talking with Scott Ramsey. He's the president and CEO of the Nashville Sports Council. And, uh, Scott, we were talking about the um, the Major League Soccer coming into town and how that's moving forward. Uh, what uh, what other plans are, are we looking at for the uh, future of Major League Baseball? Well, there's certainly a group that uh, has um, has been very focused on um, doing all they can to, and, you know, at some point down the line having a uh, – a major league baseball team in, in Nashville. I, I think, uh, um, I certainly think their, their organization and their group is, uh, is well-founded and, uh, is, uh, is moving very methodically through all the necessary, um, steps and processes to, to get to that point. Um, I think ultimately, Jeff, I, I think the things you're going to look at is, um, uh, you know, a facility, uh, you know, you've got a lot of major financial decisions to make regarding facilities, location, uh, maintenance, management, uh, certain things like that. Uh, will that be more privately funded? Uh, will that be a public-privately funded? Or will it be similar to our other facilities where, um, you know, the city owns the facility and outsources the management? So, uh, and, then last, and then the other thing is you've got to have Major League Baseball ready to either expand or relocate. Uh, of which right now they've not indicated uh, on either of those. So I certainly think that's a long-term process. And um, I think the organization uh, of the group right now trying to identify ownership and funding and those kind of things understands going to be long-term. And um, hopefully uh, in a few years it will come to fruition. Uh, indeed. I welcome the proceeding of Major League Baseball, and I think it's it, – it, it's a, it's a game that I think is going to be well-supported. What shocked me was, you know, how uh, people locked into soccer when, when it first started coming about and, uh, you know, a few years ago. It was, like, major, and I think they filled Nissan with, like, what, 56,000 people, right? We did. Uh, we, we've had really uh, three or four great events um, highlighting soccer in, at, uh, at Nissan. We're, we're still one of the finalist cities, potentially could get a World Cup site in uh, 2026 uh hopefully in the next year to two years they'll make some decisions uh on those locations uh it's a north american uh, world cup in 26 and hopefully nashville can be a part of it uh, so far we're still in the running there mm-hmm. and uh, uh soccer is certainly a worldwide game and and uh, gives your city a, a worldwide platform which fits into our our tourism model i think uh, uh the music scene and the popularity in nashville has uh 
grown from not just a national destination, but an international one. You know, with all the exposure, I mean, uh, what, a year or so ago we had the NFL draft. I mean, I was amazed at the amount of folks that, that showed up for that. And, uh, I mean, sure, all the hotels loved it for sure. Yeah, it certainly exceeded our expectations. You know, I, I think, again, we, we changed how that draft was, was done. Uh, it had previously been done in, you know, a pretty static arena kind of concept. Um, with a stage, we took it outside and, mm-hmm. and made it a Nashville uh, event. Yeah. And uh, again, I, I think we're always looking for opportunities to do that with events that, that really kind of showcase our city um, and our entertainment. And uh, I think NFL Draft's going to be one of those uh, marquee events that we're always going to remember was, uh, was one of the key turning points of uh, the popularity in Nashville. Yeah, you know, with the uh, upcoming events like the uh, SEC football and the media days and the uh, Toyota U.S. Uh, Figure Skating Championship, I guess we're looking at uh, many years of uh, support from the, the the sports industry. Yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the rules that, that we play is how, how can we supplement the regular season of uh, the professional uh, teams that we have and uh, maximize the usage of a, a city-owned facilities, whether it's the new soccer stadium, Nissan Stadium, or Bridgestone Arena, or uh, for Tennessee Park. You know, I think one of the things that we're always looking at is how can we kind of c- continue to fill that pipeline? Um, you know, we got the Music City Bowl with a new sponsor in TransPerfect with a, a five years remaining on our deal with the SEC and the Big Ten. Uh, it's been wildly successful. We've been in the top 10 in about every metrics in, in, in the postseason bowl, uh, world in the last few years. So we're certainly on the rise there. Uh, SEC basketball, we've got locked into 2035. Um, we've got uh, Marathon, which is widely successful. Uh, we've got the, the figure skating coming back, which will be the Olympic qualifying event, which will be four nights on NBC prime time leading into the Beijing Olympics next year. Um, so we've certainly got a lot of things in the Grand Prix, which we've already talked about. I, I think there are really going to be some annual events that, that really complete our, our sports schedule for really a, a lot of diverse kind of interest and fans. And I think with the, the status of all these events that we're bringing in here, it's going to be pretty easy to get some network television coverage out of this. Yeah, most every event we're, we're looking at now has some element of national television. Um, certainly SEC basketball uh, with the ESPN package. Um, our bowl games on ESPN every year. Uh, Marathon does not, uh, but uh, certainly uh, football media days is, is generated from media and has uh, has ESPN anchored in for four days. Uh, Grand Prix is going to have uh, uh, IndyCar uh, national coverage, and um, you know, and certainly as I mentioned, uh, you know, figure skating in, in January 21 um, has NBC Sports as it leads into the Olympic Games. So, um, you know, I think the, the the media component and the profiling of Nashville through the media exposure has been uh, real positive for us, and will continue to be. Well, and I, I see here that you, uh, at one point, I guess you were accepted to position executive director for the U.S. Figure Skating Championships. So how involved are you with that organization? That was, uh, that was originally when we moved here, ironically, in 1995. And uh, it's come back 25 years later to where um, it, it's uh, it's come back to Nashville the first time since. So one of the first events Nashville had was the 97 U.S. Figure Skating Championships. It was the first sporting event in the, in the arena. Uh, the arena opened in December 96. Our, our event was uh, February 97. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we moved down here, A, to run that event um, first. Uh, and then when Jenny uh, left to go help the Predators and their foundation get off the ground, um, 
I rolled over to the sports council job mm-hmm. and uh, we added the Music City Bowl kind of under that umbrella uh, in 98. And uh, we've had a blended organization with the Bowl and the Sports Council ever since. We've got two nonprofit boards that we manage and people are involved in and um, a staff of uh, 11 and uh, uh, certainly rely upon a lot of volunteers. So um, it's been uh, it's been a great community uh, organization, and uh, we've enjoyed some, some great successes over the years. Well, and you've done a, a, an awesome job at this, and it's got to be uh, something that keeps you on your toes uh, all the time and <laughs> very little free time. So how do you manage going back from Hendersonville to downtown constantly? <laughs> well, in the last year or so, we've been working from home some, so it's yeah, been a little different. Good. But yeah. uh, it's certainly traffic has changed since 1995 when I moved here to now for uh, – um, on I-65 and 386 for sure. Uh, but we've enjoyed the growth in that, of Hendersonville. Our, uh, our oldest daughter is married now and, and has our first uh, grandchild. And yeah, uh, they live in Hendersonville. And uh, our middle daughter has bought a, a townhome in Hendersonville and our youngest daughter in college and, and, uh, and son and, and, uh, in school still. So, you know, it's it's been home and uh, we've enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, I wish the traffic would uh, uh, go away a little bit, but uh, hey, the success of uh, Nashville, um, you know, has a, has a few growing pains here and there, and traffic's been one of them. Well, I guess we can get a couple of these Grand Prix cars. We can get downtown pretty fast and get <laughs> yeah, either that or helicopters. There I you think, go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Best option, right? that, absolutely. Um, hey, speaking of, of Hendersonville and the Summer County area and the Gallatin area, you know, it, with the um, news that they're, they're bringing ice to, to Gallatin or to Sumner County here. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I think that's the success of the Predators and their outreach. Uh, they're partnering with the Austin P State University in, in Clarksville as well for a, a multi-use facility and arena uh, that will house uh, some sheets of ice so, so uh, hockey can grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Sumner County would be a great place for it. Uh, I know it's a, it's, a, it's a big business proposition for either a developer or a county or a city. Uh, but I know the Predators have been very supportive of some uh, regional sheets of ice. They built two in Nashville that are, that are widely successful, uh, Ford Ice Center in both Bellevue and, and Antioch. So, you know, I think they're investing in the city. They're investing in um, not only hockey, but to ice sports in general. And uh, I think it can only be a positive if they can, if they can make it work business-wise. Sure. Well, and I, I know that Andy Gilley here, the director of Parks in Hendersonville, is going to welcome any kind of uh, positive sports activity that can be uh, built in Sumner County. So I know, I'm sure he's watching that real carefully. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's uh, obviously the mission of, of Parks and Rec is to offer facilities for uh, you know local citizens to uh, um, be healthy and uh, participate in, uh, in, in any way they can. So mm-hmm. the more facilities and more opportunities you have, hopefully uh, more people take advantage of it. Sure. Well, I know you got to head out of here, but I wanted to uh, see if you could let everybody know. I mean, you're a membership-based uh, organization, um, you know, a nonprofit, and so tell us a little about how uh, somebody can get involved with your organization. Yeah, it's pretty simple. Uh, jump on nationalsports.com. Uh, we have individual memberships, corporate memberships, um, and uh, very similar to um, you know other nonprofit kind of activities where uh, we have a lot of social events, a lot of ticket opportunities. And more importantly, a lot of volunteer opportunities. We're uh, we're a volunteer-based organization, and uh, it's, of course, a great way to be involved. It's a great way for your family to be involved, and uh, we'd really appreciate and, and value anybody that uh, wants to get involved with our organization. 
Yeah, that I mean, it's awesome. And, and and again, if you're interested in signing up for a membership or learning more about the Sports Council, all you have to do is head to NashvilleSports.com. All the information is right there. And uh, it's 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 incredible what's happening here in Middle Tennessee. And Scott's uh, right on top of it, going to make it happen. And Scott, listen, thanks for taking so much time to uh, visit with us today, and we appreciate that. Well, thanks for having me, and uh, I look forward to doing it again sometime in the future. All right, that's going to conclude our edition of Summer County Spotlight, heard each and every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock right here at WHIN. Uh, you can hear it on the podcast uh, Monday mornings at starting about 8 o'clock, and you can check that out. It's going to be up there for you to view. We want to thank our sponsor, FM Bank at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard right here in Hendersonville. We'll see you next week for more of Sumner County Spotlight. Sumner County Spotlight on 100.7 WHIN 1010 AM has been brought to you exclusively by FNM Bank, 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville. Whether you need personal banking, banking for your business, a home mortgage, or considering refinancing your home, FNM Bank will provide you with excellent service right here in Sumner County. Visit them today at myfmbank.com. Sumner County Spotlight will return next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Thanks for listening.